I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue, the birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. Mm, it's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. It's just a sunny day. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. We'll be taking your calls in just a moment, and the phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. You can also text your questions to 57500. Good morning, Ton. Flower. The plant of the morning is um, the coneflower because we have beautiful coneflowers in bloom all across the Wasatch Front. We do. Okay. Really, you must. Turn I, your tr- mic I was on. just turning the. I mean, I can hear you, but <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those mornings. Wake up! Come on. Okay. Turn the mic on. There Caffeine hasn't kicked in yet. So yeah, coneflowers are blooming right now, and so we're most familiar with. The purple coneflower, which mm-hmm. is native to the Midwest and East Coast, and it has those beautiful purple flowers with the petals that kind of hang down just a bit. And so I've been... It's kind of like a drooping daisy. Yes, it is almost like a drooping daisy, but in a in a pretty way. And They're in bloom from Logan down to Nephi over into Delta, so it's it's that time of year and they're just a really easy to care for moderately drought tolerant plant. I really like them because you can put them behind any annuals that you plant or any lower, you know, ground cover type plants as well. And the purple I've planted all varieties now in my yard, but the purple seem to last longest. Well, that's it's the purple and the variety we usually use that's purple is called Magnus and it's been around for a long time. And the genetics are really near the wild species, which gives it more longevity. And there's a whole bunch of cultivars with yellow flowers and white flowers and red flowers and orange flowers all in the coneflower group. But they don't seem to be quite as long-lived as Magnus, which is the purple one that is planted in a lot of areas. Yeah, I have a white one that has survived. I planted a red um, one kind of a rusty red one last year. I was so excited, and it didn't make it through the winter, so I was kind of heartbroken about that. But yeah, I, these newer types started to come out in the early two thousands, mm. and there's been a lot of breeding since then. But I just observationally, you know, the ones that are the reds and the oranges and you know the different colors seem to be three to five years, and a like the Magnus purple coneflower, you can easily get seven to ten years if they're kept healthy. Okay, so what conditions do they thrive in? Average soil, they tolerate are alkaline soils. They'll grow 
in a clay soil as long as they're not overwatered and they don't like really boggy soil. And so you don't want to put them, if you have an elevation in the edge of the yard while a lot of water collects there, that's not where they want to be. And so they're going to be, once established, need to be watered maybe twice a week to a depth of six inches, almost like your lawn. And then when they're done blooming in the late summer, just deadhead them, cut all the dead flower stems off and leave the leaves alone because those are collecting energy and yeah, they're really an easy to maintain perennial. Yeah. I've planted them on the West side. They tolerate the sun very well, but do they need to be planted in full sun? They do need full sun. They will need at least six hours of sun a day. So if you have an East exposure, that's more Southeast, they would mm-hmm. do fine there, but under a solid East or North exposure, they will struggle. Okay. Anything else about the coneflower? Do they need to have some sort of fertilization or? No, they not really. If you fertilize them lightly in the spring is all they, they would require. They're just a really adaptable, not fussy plant right. for us. They don't bloom for as long as I would like, but nothing does. No. And then their bloom times about six weeks. And so they're just one that you plan, a, you know, when you plan your perennials, you always want a succession of bloom times. And so they're that mid to late summer bloomer. The We'll talk about the Black Eyed Susans next week, and those will bloom a little longer, but this is about the same period of time. But it's just one you plan. And so, you know, the next perennials you might use after this would be some of the upright stone crops that are the sedums that are fall blooming that would go from late August to early September until frost. Yeah, I've really tried to improve that. Uh, anyone who's put their yard in in the spring, uh, you tend to plant a lot of spring, summer blooming, and then you get to fall and there's not much well, color there, in the Well, there's not as much available also. You know, every a lot of things are going to bloom anywhere from mid-April through mid-June, and then it starts to taper off. And so we're not really stuck with, but we have a lot of hibiscus. We've got the black-eyed Susans, the coneflowers, the uh, tick seeds. And then, you know, when those are kind of finishing up, the uh, sedums, the upright sedums, and then the uh, uh, Japanese anemones, the fall-blooming anemones will take over. But you do have maybe you know, a lot narrower selection of late summer and fall bloomers than you do spring. Yeah, And I forget about the mums until it's too late in the season and then they don't live through. They don't. I've noticed that garden mums are out now. Can I plant them now when they live through the winter? Well, they'd have a lot better chance because they have all of September. Well, the rest of August and September and mid-October to root. And so it'd be much better to plant them now than, say, in mid-September. Can't tell you how many I've planted that have not survived the winter. Yeah, and it's funny because the garden mums that you can buy in late spring, you plant those, and they'll have a 90 to a 97% success rate mm-hmm. being planted in the spring. But those same ones planted in the fall, you have about 50% failure. Oh, okay, we'll work on that. Anything else about uh the coneflower. They're widely available, and if you're new to gardening especially, they're one of those that you can plant, and they have a very good success rate. 
All right. And you can find out all about it on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. Our producer, Michelle, will put up an article in just a moment if she hasn't done that already. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Greg is already on the line. And you can text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you this morning, taking your calls 801-575-8255, or you can text us at 57500. First listener on the line this morning is Greg. Good morning, Greg. What was your question? Good morning. Uh, The question I have is in regard to some apple trees I planted about a year ago, and they're doing very well. But this year, for some reason, they have very good new growth. But a lot of the older leaves are getting brown along the edges, and I was wondering what would cause that. It could just be summer heat stress because the hundreds we had through July, you know, we've had a little bit of a break, but we're supposed to be back up into the mid-90s next week. There are some problems that these newly planted trees run into to where there might be enough water in the soil, but they can't take it up fast enough to prevent some scorching. So what percentage of the leaves are actually scorching? So you have a leaf, what percentage of that leaf might be scorched? Pretty much anything that's not new growth. Anything that's not new growth. And so there, is it the entire leaf or just the edges? Just the edges. Okay. And the new growth looks fine. Yeah, the new growth is great. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about it too much. There also could have been a weather event where the leaves had fully expanded, but they weren't hardened yet. The, a windstorm or something could have scorched the edges they, because they couldn't keep enough water in the leaves. And so if the new growth is looking good, the old growth is just the edges that are scorched. Keep an eye on it. Make sure the soil is moist, but don't overwater it to try to compensate. Now, should I put some shade or anything over it? Try to prevent no, the if, heat from. No, if the new growth is not scorching, I just leave it alone. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right, Greg. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, speaking of weather events, Val is listening in Orem and wondering uh, if did you notice an active thunderstorm between two and three in the morning? I was asleep. But you woke up this morning, and there didn't there were no signs of it. There were a few spots that had a little bit of moisture, but that was about it. Yeah, we had the same thing. And here in downtown Salt Lake City, I don't know, it looks pretty wet, but it could be that the sprinklers did that. Yeah, driving home last night about 10 o'clock, I noticed between 
central and south davis and the north part of salt lake that there was a lot of lightning over the great salt lake Mm, okay so i wonder if that's what moved in that's exactly sounds exactly like what moved in uh next person says what can be done to control earwigs in grapes trapping early to reduce the numbers so they don't reproduce as much early might not be early anymore yeah and so (laughs) i mean if they wanted to stay chemical free they could try downloading USS, USU's fact sheet on earwigs, free to download. Just do an internet search of USU and earwig control. And they can use butter dishes, you know, like grandma saves to give leftovers to the kids at mm-hmm. Christmas and Thanksgiving. Get those dishes and put a third of an inch of vegetable oil in the base and then put some tuna fish oil or tuna fish and some soy sauce in there to really make it stink. And then put the lid on and use something to put uh, about quarter inch to, you know, maybe five sixteenths inch holes in the top of the lid, almost like a salt and pepper shaker. So if you have something like a a soldering iron, you can use those to melt holes in or very carefully just put the holes in there and then bury those in the ground like a golf tee. And do one every five or six feet, and you'll get a lot of earwigs, and that may clean them up. But if not, they may need to resort to some pesticide sprays. But they need to be very careful because grapes, depending on the varieties, are starting to ripen now. And they'll ripen through early October. And so if the grapes are going to be ripe you know, within the next seven to ten days, they may need to just use something like triple action or a spinosad product registered for grapes to see if those would reduce the numbers. Mm. I had had a problem with earwigs one year in the back, but they were in my pots. And so my neighbor, who was a master gardener, told me to wrap up newspaper. Nobody has newspapers anymore, but to just roll a newspaper and that they would crawl inside there at night. They will. Does that work? It can. They like the protection. And so even taking newspaper like a section and folding it over so it's in half, they'll crawl in there and you can just pick those up, whether they're rolled or just folded, and shake them into a five-gallon bucket with a couple inches of soapy water in the base so that the the soap breaks up the surface tension of the water and they drown. Okay. And that's a little bit easier if you have like a container where you can put, you know... And those would tuna be, can or yeah, some other container. Those would be the two primary methods to see if you can reduce the numbers. Okay. How often do raspberries need to be fertilized? They don't need to be fertilized very often. You do need to stay up on the iron because they can get a lot of chlorosis in them where the leaves turn yellow. But uh, you can download USU's fact sheet and it'll kind of t- give you hence if they need to be fertilized, but they don't actually need to be fertilized that often. And when you do, it's very lightly. Okay. Just Google USU fact sheet on raspberries. Yes. Or USU's and ra- USU and raspberries in a garden. Mm, that will do it. Okay. Uh, next listener says they're looking for a shade tree that will get 25 to 30 feet tall, that will have good fall color. Uh, they're leaning towards a ruby sunset maple, and they're wondering if that's a good choice or if you have a better choice. That would be fine. It's the it's a hybrid between Tatarian and Norway maple and has some red foliage in the spring. 
And so it would be fine. And it's among the trees. It's one of the better ones. If they wanted some other suggestions, Queen Elizabeth maple will turn yellow in the fall. And then there's another one called, uh, I know it's actually Acer Tetericum. I'm trying to remember the name. Rugged Charm or Hot Wings. I would probably the Hot Wings. Mm-hmm. A little smaller, but it's gorgeous right now. The seeds on it, you know, the helicopters turn brilliant red in midsummer. And they stay like that for a number of weeks. And then in the fall, the tree turns an orangey red. So... Hot Wings Maple would be another option. And then those little helicopters land all over my yard? Uh, they're usually not too much. There's just more raking them up. Okay. It's They're not really that much of a nuisance other than that. You might even be able to mow them. And they're not really too prolific when they seed. A lot okay. of them are sterile. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, next person says, do you think it's okay to use the to drain the water from the hot tub on the lawn? If they've been putting chemicals in it, no. Uh, it If there's chlorine or other bromine or whatever, it once might be okay, but if they keep doing that, they will eventually create toxicities to where the grass or other plants around there will not grow normally. Ew. If they weren't putting those in there and it was just fresh, fresh water, they absolutely could. Okay. Next listener says they have calendula flowers invading their vegetable garden. They're wondering when they can transplant them to the flower garden. Boy, if if they're the perennial types, I would wait till they turn, go dormant in the fall and dig them and move them then. But mm-hmm. to just uproot any flowers right now is not a great idea. Okay, apparently those thunderstorms in Orem were a thing because we have other listeners saying, okay. uh, yeah, they woke me up as well. Uh, next listener says they have a tricolor beach that looks like it needs some iron because the leaves are turning more of a light pink. Uh, what iron is, I, this is my favorite tree, and it kind of breaks my heart. I don't have one in my yard because I've never had the space for it. So gorgeous in the spring and in the summer, and then about this time of year, it always fades. That's just kind of what it's it does, what it does right? Yeah. But they're wondering what iron is best and how do they apply it? The Miller Ferra Plus, or if you can find it, Grow More Chelated Iron, have very similar products in there. Both of them are effective, and you need to read your instructions, but they will give you instructions on how much to apply per inch of trunk width. And so you just mix it in a five-gallon bucket, and especially away from the trunk but under the canopy, you just go in a snake, like a zigzag or a snake pattern around the tree and dump it out evenly under the canopy and then water it in for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, but the tricolor beach seems to do a little better if they have some shade in the afternoon. They do. So on an east exposure, they do okay. It's just by late July, they usually scorch. And they don't need iron? Not usually. Okay, so they're talking about applying iron, but that may not actually be solving the problem. It may not, and it just could be that they're fading in the summer's heat. You know, it's not going to hurt to put down the iron, but it's not going to remedy the leaf bleaching and scorching. All right. We're going to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number to call 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open, and you can text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, 
a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.